episode of the My Pilgrimage Podcast coming out here. Today we're talking about the myth of redemptive violence. Think uh, revenge porn movies. Um, came from a question that Garrett Ringlever left on the Facebook group talking about justice and bullying and talking about when you see something's wrong, don't you fight for it? And is that ego? These are all really, really good questions. So we decided to go ahead and just have a discussion. We invited Garrett to come along as well because... Um, I don't know, having that, that other perspective is really, really helpful. Sometimes it's not just Seth and I just talking. So. so Seth and I and Garrett got together and had a wonderful discussion. And we're going to show it to you right now. And then I'll come back to the end and say goodbye. Garrett. Yeah, uh, yes. People are, you are known to the people. You're a poster. You post in Facebook and you're in there in the group. And so Garrett Ringlover has joined my brother and I. We're going to have a discussion about your posts, sir, because... Um, for some reason, I honestly, it was like a spirit. My spirit was just like, we need to have a deeper discussion about that. You said in the Facebook post, and I quote, Hey, Seth and David, I just listened to the latest podcast on social media. You both mentioned that when the need to defend something comes up, that is really your ego fixating on being right. And ultimately, that is not something worth engaging. My question is, how does that line of logic and being go with defending a person or their rights who is in need or oppressed? Is it worth it to strive to be right when it comes to mm-hmm. helping them? Or is that more ego? Can you expand on that or anything? I mean, is that pretty much sum it up real well what you're trying to get at? Yeah, I kind of I came up with a, a, just like a super simple example, I guess, yesterday as I was thinking more about it. And it was kind of just this, the classic example of if you were to watch a movie and you see like a bully like and he's like picking on someone or something like that or picking on on someone in the classroom or or in the hall and so karate kid the karate kids like like situation yeah like like peter parker type like that whole like that whole thing where it could be so many other things but i just i just thought of that and thought that okay something inside me if i see that i'm like that's not right Mm -hmm. like i need to go defend that person and Mm -hmm. it's kind of the thought process behind it of like well you think that that bully is in the wrong for doing that and you think that you are right for going to defend that person so is that something other than ego or is that ego spiking up saying that you need to do something there like i guess that was like my example i kind of thought of is this a question about a concept of is the concept of justice an egoic one is that what you're trying to trying to ask yeah 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 that would, yeah. that would be kind of what I'm talking about, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I know what you're saying. I, I think here's, here's the thing you have to start with. It, it, this goes back to our programming. Uh, were, you a, were you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Are you an evangelical? What's yeah. your background? I grew up, I grew up, I grew up, kind of my church was non-denominational, but eventually became evangelical free, yeah. Okay, are you, are you currently still a practicing evangelical Christian? Yes, but there's a lot of deconstruction happening. Yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Yeah, and deconstruction yeah. is good. Even you know if, when we're practicing, it's still yeah, if we're practicing, you know, in, in whatever denomination we're in, it's good to kind of be able to be, you know, self-aware. So, um, in that line of thinking, and in the way that with programming, the programming is is strong. We always think in terms of uh, wrong, right, and we always tend to identify the ego with wrong, right. So if the ego is doing something or the ego wants to do wrong and, and it's not, a, I found it's not a, at least for me and Seth might he probably has more articulate way of explaining this, but I found that the, the ego doesn't, it's not that it wants to do bad things, you know, 
and it wants to make me into a bad person, even though it, it, I would say that it thinks selfishly and it is unintelligent in a lot of ways. Um, but we tend to immediately identify ego as the bad thing. So if I say like what we were talking about in terms of defending, um, the need to defend yourself or defend what is right or whatever, that concepts are right or wrong as dualistic concepts. Um, we, we automatically go, well, well, my e is that my ego that wants to, you know, the Peter Parker thing that saved the, the kid from getting bullied or, or do justice, or is that my spirit? And I always tend to think of it in terms of a scale. I go, it's, you know, it, the ego has a role to play there, but so does the spirit. Do you see what I'm saying? Like when we're talking about justice, we're talking about those things. And that I think that in those moments, it, it's probably the most difficult time to decipher um, which is what, you know, if you're walking, if you're, you're acting in spirit, if you're following the lead of spirit and, and, and doing physical violence, you know what I mean? And that kind of thing, or trying to defend someone physically or trying to kind of jump in there. It's just that the programming is definitely like we have to think about what's right. Seth, you jump in. You, I know you have a you have thought. He's, he's smiling and, and he's got a thought. Well, it's funny because I think so much. I think my entire master's degree was focused around this concept. And that's one of the reasons when you know Garrett actually texted this question to me and I said, "Dude, why don't you post that in the Facebook group?" Because this yeah. is pretty great fodder. Um, but you know the 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 concept that that's that's discussed in in maybe more progressive theological circles is is the idea of redemptive violence right cuz here's the thing like i'm i'm a big fan of a of a movie genre that they call uh revenge porn yeah okay? oh yeah, favorite no. revenge porn movie and don't say john wick it's not john wick yeah okay. that's 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 a good you know it's it's a it's man on fire man on fire is my favorite revenge oh porn. denzel of course yeah. and he, mine fine, mine is the equalizer no, yeah, yeah. Or equalizer. And the, yeah. And the equalizer is a little, equalizer. it kind of oh, leans yeah. a little more into the Jason oh. Statham kind of area of, no, you know, it's Denzel, man. But it's Denzel, but the, but the, the oh, simplicity, good. the simplicity of the structure of it is more Statham y. And Statham is, a, is his own category of revenge porn. He's made an entire career out of revenge porn, you know? And yeah. It, into other yeah, spaces. but he's not. But but Denzel brings the complexity to the role that he plays. Because yeah, he's just such a great actor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. but but Man oh, on yeah. Fire. <laughs> Thank you, Garrett. Garrett. Man on Fire adds. Can I get a name in? Yes, I, I love. <laughs> I, I watch. I I walked out of the theater watching The Equalizer, and I was like, Oh, oh my god! Like I, I was like, I was shocked. I walked. I, I was like, Holy crap! Oh, geez. dude. Well, and and you have to oh, see with your good. question. Your your question centers around this idea of of redemptive violence this because we we live in a, our our culture at least like countries like america who espouse some sort of uh you know at least in our ideals we try to espouse a more justice-based almost judeo-christian type of ethic actually what we, we we have is a type of redemptive violence right the idea that um you know, to, we, good guys and bad guys. We 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 keep making World War II movies because we can we can indulge in this idea that there was a that it was redemptive violence. It was the the act of kicking out this evil guy, and we can and we can create this very clear delineated structure of good guys and bad guys, right? And and uh, actually, it's funny because we were watching The Last Jedi the other night, me and my kids, and and my son had some. I knew he would have questions about this because he was just like there was that one part where. You know they're on the, they're they're on Canto Bite and they're realizing that that underneath it all that the concepts of good guys and bad guys is just a matter of perspective. You know, it's just just mm -hmm. a matter yeah. of you know. It, so so the idea that you're getting at the idea of 
helping others. Um, I, I think that they're where you find it, it, David, David's spot on when he says it's a question of ego and spirit. And, and again, not judging the ego as evil, the ego functions from a certain level of consciousness and it has its own purpose. The ego's mm-hmm. purpose is just survival period. Right. And it, and it will help us survive by creating a narrative in our mind that is, that has a, has a certain structure. Good guys and bad guys is an ego, egoic narrative. So when uh, the way you see politics functioning right now, right? The way you see like when, like in the Black Lives Matter movement, it's a great concept, this idea of social justice, justice for the poor, justice for, the, these concepts are redemptive concepts. But the problem is, is that because most people function egoically for the purpose of survival, the ego creates a collective narrative of redemptive violence. Right. I mean, this is, this is the thing when you, I mean, I think one of the most probably apropos type of studies is, is if you look at the, the space between Malcolm X and Martin Luther King is a really interesting one because you have someone who on one side is espousing to a redemptive violent narrative saying we are justified by into, to take our freedom by any means necessary. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can't say he's wrong. And on the other side, you have someone who has come to a recognition that the energetic quality of that, that the ego cannot, cannot achieve actual freedom and redemption. It can't. So the the ego can, the ego can only create a narrative of redemptive violence. It can't actually create redemption itself. So when we see, that's why movies like that have to have an ending. And a sequel. (laughs) Right, right. This is like the Taken movies. Like I remember the Taken, you get to the end and you win and you go, no, no, no. What's the storyline for the next film? Yeah, is (laughs) that dude's brothers now have to kind of, you know, and and it's going to- And and there's a beauty hidden into, there's a beauty hidden into Hollywood. I think that there's a certain level of intellectual honesty sometimes that exists in Hollywood or at least in the writers that create these stories because they realize, like if you notice, the heroes that, that kind of, you know, actually do this violence they do this redemptive violence are almost always completely miserable they're almost you know when you got uh what was the what was the tom cruise character uh jack reacher right jack Jack reacher just miserable and alone you know uh the equalizer miserable and alone you have like i mean i mean my favorite my favorite you know revenge porn movie is is uh man on fire alcoholic miserable and alone right you have Miserable. And John, John Wick, miserable and alone. They're always <laughs> he killed his dog and now he's really alone. Right. So they have no choice yeah. but to live. You know, I mean, you know, John Wick got out because he found love. Right. But he still that love, that love failed him because he was still having to find his love from an external source. So now he has right. to go back into this kind of violence. Right. But you have this is one of the reasons why I like Man on Fire so much is that Man on Fire it doesn't, it ends, he ends the cycle of redemptive violence by giving himself as a sacrifice. This is right. the narrative, this is the Christian narrative. When we see Gandhi, when we see MLK, when we see even Nelson Mandela, Nelson Mandela sacrificed not only his life, but his, his livelihood, his family, he sacrificed everything, gave of himself, of his own blood, sweat, and tears, as opposed to, you know, moving into more a, a violent cycle. And right. that's the only way that's the, the only, only way, way actual redemptive and it's an energetic I and mean, we can get it. You can get into the physics of that, of how that works. But that is the, the difference. The difference is this is the, what Jesus was saying when we talk about dying to self, he who seeks to save his life will lose it. Well, the cycle of redemptive violence is one of saving his life. And I, I'll, I'll tell you guys this, this is, I was, so I live in a neighborhood where cops and meth heads and, 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 there's just it's a it's it's Bike crazy thieves. 
Pisces. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, this is the neighborhood I live in. Like I come out, I had my mountain bike just out right out in front of my apartment the other day. I turned upside down. I was working on the chain. I was putting some lube on the chain and, and, uh, and then I go in for, I, I go in and I lost track of something, got distracted. I, I left it out there for about an hour. I come out, it's gone. You know, it's a nice mountain bike. And I, and I was kind of sad because I just recently got it and discovered this kind of beautiful, fun world of riding bikes and trying to get some fitness. And, and I'm like, man, you know, and I start driving my car around my neighborhood because I knew it, it's not, it's not some crafty thief that's been hiding in the bushes <laughs> waiting to steal my bike. You know what I mean? Cause that's not my neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> so I finally, I'm driving down my rain here and I see, I see two meth head teenage teenagers walking on the side of the road with my bike. And I pull over and go, Hey, I go just like this. Hey, she goes, kind of looks at me. I go, that's my bike. Can I have it back? And she's like, sure. I'm like, can you just like lay it down right there? <laughs> and like, and she just laid it down and I just got it through. I'm not angry not anything like that because that's not going to help anything. Yeah. But, but I realized that, that she was expecting on an energetic level, I felt her energy spike and she was expecting the, the, the otherness, the push pull, the violence, the, the contention, the good guy, bad guy experience of someone going, I'm reporting you to the cops or whatever. And she didn't expect this just kind of loving. And, and they, they, she just kept walking right. and I could tell that they were kind of walking away going, that was weird. Right. You know what I mean? A few, so a few days ago, I'm, I'm walking up a street and there's this kind of street where all the homeless people hang out and I see two cops. I'm looking down the street and this guy, this, one of the cops has his hand on a gun, on his gun. This guy's, this African-American guy's walking away and he's, he's yelling at the, at the cops and the cops are yelling at him. And it's, and I'm looking at him going in light of everything we're experiencing. I had this narrative in my brain, like, am I willing to just stand between them? You know what I mean? And I stood there kind of frozen because I was like, am I willing for the sake of, of love just stand between them. Now, redemptive violence would be a violent act, right? I'm going to come in and I can come in and I can do justice and maybe someone will catch it on a phone and put it on the internet and it'll go viral and I'll be a hero and maybe I die or whatever. I don't know. But the thing is, I was wondering what would it be like to walk up and just, and just stand between them. And, and I sat there and immediately my ego just spiked. I mean, this huge survival narrative came up. You've got kids, you can't do this. And I'm sitting there going, oh, that's what it is, man. It's this clinging to our lives. I, so many of us at such base, base unconscious levels are scared to die. And Jesus was speaking to a, a, a complete and total loss of that fear. Right. And that's the thing. That's the entire narrative of the cross is one that speaks to a new kind of understanding a, a more evolved understanding of what justice actually is. So it justice. It wasn't justice. Wasn't Jesus dying on the cross. Jesus, Jesus was, I mean, it, it was in a sense, but he's not, when he, we talk about him taking on the sins of the world, that we have to understand that not from a, not from some weird metaphysical, you know, theological standpoint, but from a philosophical standpoint, like what was it to, to, to say, you know, that, you know, I, I, I mean, literally there's a reason that 2000 years later, we're still talking about this, that he took, took that on himself as opposed to what everybody was calling him to do start a rebellion, start a revolution. And this, and, and you see it because the first Christians, the first Christians weren't going to war against Rome. You know, the followers of the way that you see in the book of Acts, they weren't going to, to, they were just free. We don't have to feel oppressed every day. We can give to the poor. We can love on each other. And I don't think the Romans were mad about that. The Romans weren't like oppressing the first Christians. They weren't doing that. It, it didn't get that way until the Jewish, the Jewish people started oppressing them. Yeah. Yeah, and that persecution was one. It was a religious persecution. It wasn't until they became, where where it became this, uh, 
kind of the message of, you know, the dis- disintegration of religion, you know, started to become a problem when Paul, Paul was going out and preaching those messages. But at first it was just a bunch of people going, we don't have to live with the burden every single day of, of violence and anger. I mean, the Jewish people were, I mean, that, that insurrection thing was happening underneath the surface at all times. All the time, yeah. They yeah. were and they, and the Messiah who was going to defeat the Romans. Exactly. Yeah. And these were people that were literally pulling out of that narrative right. and saying, we can live free because we are free inside. Right. Okay, so can, let's, let's do this. <clears throat> let's go back to that Peter Parker. Yeah. And I want to hear Garrett. Garrett's oh, sorry. Go, go, go. Go. Yeah, yeah, go, go. Because I have... Yeah, yeah, because I have, I have two things, because this is literally my whole thought process yesterday as I was thinking about it. I wrote this down. Um, when, when Jesus says, um, if you, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. I used to read that as, oh, you must take on the burden each day of like all the sins and all the, all that kind of stuff and uh-huh. kind of like live this kind of life in a way. But now as I read it, I, I kind of wrote this. I said, when Jesus says you must deny yourself and take up your cross daily to follow me, I read that now as Jesus saying, you have to face the reality that walking the life I walk means each day you're okay with dying rather than fighting and that you will never fight or go to war with anyone ever again. Your posture is surrender and death. Yeah. And so like, I, I think that's, so if you take that, and you put that into the narrative that Seth was talking about with the, the police officer and the guy and that whole tension is ego spiking. If you're talking about ego's only goal is to survive. If you were to step into that situation between them, mm-hmm. are you saying that that's no longer ego? That's you kind of living what, like in the spirit in a way, or if you still step in there and there's an act, of violence that you take like the redemptive violence is that still ego acting up right so so if a if i step in let's say let's say that i'm in a scenario i'm i'm peter i'm i'm at peter parker okay and flash that you know the classic comic book bully is over there beating up on some kid and i say you know hey flash you gotta stop now my spirit understands things that are outside of the physical kind of material experience we're having here. If I'm in spirit, I actually can sense uh, inside of flash a lot of fear, you know, and, and a lot of anger and some other things. Yeah. My spirit also leads me to compassion and understanding and wisdom and other things that don't necessarily um, mean that I want to hurt him either. Right. 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 So I might step in and I'd say flash, put him down and flash doesn't, you know, doesn't do that, whatever. And I step in and I physically step into that space. Now, if I attack flash, okay. if I do that, because I think that's the best way to do justice in this situation, I am starting a cycle of violence, right? Because I'm stepping into his mm-hmm. energy field, his frequency, yeah, yeah, his, his entire surf. thing, yeah. all that anger is there. And now I'm stepping into that. And I'm, and like what we talked about in terms of Seth was talking about quantum entanglement, how my vibration is now matching up with his, yeah, his dance. Yeah. Right. If I stepped in in between him and this kid and I just stood there and I said, I'm not going to let you hurt him. You can hurt me instead, but you can't hurt him. Yeah. And he, and he smacks me in spirit. And this is the only way I can do this. I can turn the other cheek. Yeah. I can only do that. that Vibration is pulling him to you. Right. 
And so it's it's it's, it's a matter it's a turf thing. Who, what, which whose turf are we on here? There's a there's who's a great feet, who's, whose pool are we gonna swim in? Exactly. You know I mean? There's there's a fantastic example. There was a viral video that that actually went around the internet uh, a few days ago, um, and it was a protest. And I can't remember. It was a Native American tribe, and I can't remember the name of the tribe or exactly where. Um, but it was a Native American tribe that was doing a protest, and they were protesting about abuses to their land and that kind of thing. And they were doing chanting, and there was a and I want to say it was in South Dakota, but there was a gal, um, you know, drunk white lady, really angry, super Trump fan. And she was screaming and swearing and she went right at them and she started and literally punched one of them in the face. The gal said, stood and said, and she stood there and she said, you can't do that. After she got smacked hard, like closed fisted punch across the face, she just stood and she kept saying that and they all, and none of them attack this lady or just tried to defend themselves anyway they just stood there and the wow. gal just kept going rod you mother reverend blah 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 she was just going at them you know and trump 2020 and you guys are all all yeah literally just going you can find it it's amazing and they just sat there and then eventually it was crazy to watch her like a wild animal trapped in a cage trying to figure yeah. out what to do because no one was joining her in her. They weren't feeding. She, they well, weren't feeding. And, that, and the yeah. thing is the nature yeah. of it is she's being forced to feel her own energy. Right. She has to feel the entity. She has to feel the, all that trauma that's coming up inside her body. When, when the ego is used to, if, you, if the ego can project it and find a connection in that projection, right. she, doesn't she doesn't have to feel that energy. Right. If somebody yeah. in that group, just one of those people, in that group had had lashed out we're on we got it okay good yeah. we're in yeah we're in the cycle. and the cycle goes but yeah. instead they all ended up standing next to each other like singing songs and this gal just stood there she's just like yeah. and they're actually like doing like a peace chant and I, and it was amazing and it reminded me of martin luther king jr in when in atlanta in his home in atlanta as he stood and and the these, these white supremacists the kkk lit his house on fire with the, with his family in it and he got his family out and everything was fine. But this whole horde of, of African-American neighbors and everybody coming to him, they're all ready and they're ready to fight and they were ready to kill. He's standing in front of his burning house saying, that's not the way. It won't do anything. Right. We're not going to do that. Yeah. You guys, it'll set us back. It'll actually, this is going to hurt us. If we fight, if we join them in that, it will actually yeah. hurt us. Yeah. And if you go, if you go to Atlanta and you go to, the tomb of Martin Luther King and you go to the, the museum that's across the peace center and across the way and stuff like that. And there's this beautiful statue out in front of Quinta uh, Kunte, you know, holding his, from the famous novel, you know, holding his child up, up to the sun. And then you walk around the corner up to the right, there's a pathway, a little walkway. And there's a statue of Gandhi with his walking stick walking. And he's like in mid, mid motion walking. And there's these paved stones and everybody on those stones were people that were committed to uh, that peaceful resistance that had committed to that way of thinking. And that is why that, that, and it's exactly what Seth was talking about. Every meaningful evolution in human history was because somebody got that. Like it yeah. clicked, you know, yeah. and we can look at war and we can see it utter destruction you can go well what about hiroshima and nagasaki well yes it brought everything down but you don't think that that's going to come back around you don't think that kind of violence has started its own little mini cyclones all over the world 
yeah, of course started the nuclear arms race. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it started the arms race and it left millions of people traumatized who then inflict that trauma on others. This is yeah. the, when, it, when in the Bible says that the sins of the fathers are passed down to the third and fourth generation, that it's speaking about that cycle of violence, right. which is why it's so beautiful when you see someone step up and say that cycle of my family's trauma ends here. Right. You know, right. this, this, I, because I'm healing myself and, right. and it ends here. And then, and the ego doesn't, when the ego doesn't need to defend anymore. Right. I mean, that's, I mean, I, you know, cause I do therapeutic work. I mean, you see it in every person I come in contact with every client that I work with, that's in an intimate relationship. That's the thing. There's a cycle of, of this kind of not necessarily always violence, but this, but emotional violence that's just going back and forth. And one of the, one person in the couple is finally like, I don't think I can do this anymore. And they're seeking a higher way so that they're right. going to actually be transformation. I mean, that was me and my wife, you know, and that's, that's everything, man. And, but it, but it is interesting. We have to study it. I mean, I'm watching my kids cause we've been watching, we watch all the Marvel. You want to talk about cycle of violence. Like the Marvel movies are just these <laughs> oh, ridiculous, yeah. stupid Marvel cycles of violence. Yeah. Universe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, just keep going. And right. eventually I wonder if we'll all go, oh, it's getting a little pathetic now. Like eventually, I mean, we yeah. beat Thanos seriously. We got to keep going. Like that was supposed to be the end of the violence, but it doesn't, it never ever ends. Right. Because you know, millions and millions of people now are traumatized. Right. Right. We can talk about World War II. My grandfather was a won all kinds of medals and stuff like that. Won a silver star. Yeah, in, in World War World War II, wow. and and they stopped Hitler and they stopped the, the Empire of Japan. And they stopped all this kind of thing. Well, he brings heroes, his trauma yeah. home and traumatizes his entire family, which then leads to trauma. You know, I and mean, we're all results of that trauma. Yeah, <laughs> that's been passed down to generation after generation. Right. You know, and David and I were, you know, when, when, when David was first a dad and, and when I was first a father, we, you know, we're still trying to heal and stuff. We pass some of that trauma on to our kids. And, right. and, and wait, let me, let me jump in there though. It's not to we say that Hitler. we should, that, yeah, that's not to say that we shouldn't have fought against Hitler. Obviously, no, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, that's, yeah, and that's the obviously. thing. And, that, and that's where, where the, where the mind tends to go. The human, the human mind tends to go is. That's the hard part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And that, that yeah. we, we immediately yeah. go, well, was that wrong then? Should we not? No, no that, that are, those are not functional and helpful yeah. terms right now. Well, this, you, this is one of the hardest points of, of what's happening politically, the way social media and the way, the way narrative story narratives how those narratives are told on social media are shaping the way we do politics now is that we can't it's, it's almost impossible it seems to find a leader that can hold that kind of complexity right like give me one person it doesn't stand up there well. and it, it does it it campaigns horribly especially yeah. on social oh, media no. and we can't yeah. seem to have anybody who understands the nuance and complexity of moving from an you know the the attempt to move from ego into a more spirit-driven kind of way of being i mean you have that you're absolutely right we had to go to war we had to stop hitler but that was pure ego right it had to be done and it was pure ego that's why it's not helpful to judge the ego as our enemy it's not your friend i tell people this all the time because there's some sort of you know someone's encountered some psychodynamic therapy or some 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 teacher's way of thinking and they they think their egos are well my ego is to be loved and nurtured and, and i don't have to see it as my enemy i'm like well, yeah, but it's not your buddy. Like, and it's not a, it's not a good thing that we went to war. It's not a good thing at all. Right. Was it necessary? Yes. Yeah. It was a necessary evil, but let's call it what it is. It was still an evil. Right. World yeah. War II is not a, not a good thing because right. we had, but it, we can paint these narratives and make a bunch of movies that have some sort of redemptive thing. But, you know, understand that. Like, I mean, this is one of the, one of the reasons why, I mean, 
even today, like that, that's the, that's the struggle is people are trying, you know, they'll try to make movies about what's been happening in Iraq and Afghanistan. And they just have to find these little pockets where something redemptive happened here with the, where we can, you know, say good guys and bad guys. Cause it doesn't sell well at the box office to say there is no, that doesn't exist. Yeah. The matrix, the third matrix really, really left a lot of people disappointed. Well, especially the Christians, right? It pissed them or, off because they had their good guys and their bad guys. And, and especially the Christians. And the irony of course is that, at the end, it's the Jesus story, and he's he in Neo, you know, gives himself as Neo gives himself as the sacrifice to create the peace between the between you know yeah. the machines and between the humans, and that was so. I remember everybody, and I had the same experience. I remember thinking, "Oh, that's so unsatisfying," you know, you know, what I mean? it just, and that's one thing I like the Harry Potter is another Jesus narrative, except for at the end of Harry Potter he comes back alive and then he kicks ass. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you're like, yes, that's what we need. Is that's, we why, need. Go ahead, that's yeah. why the hard part, the hard part is like I grew up with very few stories that I can think of that I'm like, okay, if I'm in a situation, what else do I do other than fight back? Right. Like what, what else do I? And so when I hear these stories of like the native American tribe or like all these right. stories where it's like this sacrificial love mm-hmm. in a way that's taking place, there's something that kind of beautiful that resonates inside of me, but there's mm-hmm. also another side that is sad because I know that if I want to follow this line, I can't, I, I have to choose not to engage in this violence or learn how to become a black belt so I can go like beat up someone who's trying to rob me or all this kind of stuff because it's like there's something about me like that is so cool I want to do that I want to protect myself I want to prepare but then there's something sad I'm like I that's not there's something deeper that's like Uh I can't like you can't do that like it's well, that, well but it's, lot. it's not a, it's not a choice between um it's not a choice isn't as much the choices between do we live through our spirit or through our ego because the more you learn how to walk in spirit the more you learn how to let your spirit make all your decisions you know and the more you you practice daily um you know whatever your your spiritual practice is whether that's meditation or yoga or the thing that you that helps your center kind of come to you know to the forefront your higher self kind of take the driver's wheel you know when you do that the repercussions of that, the, the, the byproduct of that becomes those instincts. When you're the, the part of you that you, and I love how you said it's sad and it is your ego is literally grieving the, the loss of the narrative. Yeah. And it's, when it's in its own loss of its yeah. own control. It fears that its own death. Yeah. It really does. The ego yeah. fears its own, and it's our buddy. It's our, it's been holding our hand, and there's this. Right. It's very much the Gollum thing, you know. Where would you be without me? Yeah, we survive because of me. But there, mm-hmm. but as we as we loot, that is the path to enlightenment. The loss of the ego's control right. over our lives is the path to, and that is the path that Jesus walked. That's the path that He showed us. That is the Christ narrative. That is everything about that. Right. But it just doesn't it doesn't play well and doesn't sell well in a third dimensional world. Yeah. You know, and at that level of consciousness, you are literally, I mean, you are, you are stepping closer to, to the loss of even the fear of death. And, and you know, the, is, the irony, Garrett, is that you said, I, I didn't grow up with these stories. That's the weird thing is that we all yeah. did. Of course, the most dominant story in all of yeah, our with the Jesus story was the Jesus yeah. story. Yeah. And but Peter I was never, I was and, never taught it like that. Right. Right. I right, never, right. it was always, yeah. he died for the sins of the world. And it's like, he was doing his part to 
save us in that way, but it was never this, I never saw it through a sacrificial lens, even though that was exactly what it was. Right. Like it's, yeah. It's well, cause, cause it was, it was, it was cast into a world of good and evil. It was cast yeah. into the other because yeah. cause you can't have that story without the devil and the hell and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. You just can't have that mm-hmm. right? as you opposed to, no. this is why the, the radical Christianity, you know, that people like, you know, like Pete Rollins teaches, right. Is, is, is a much, even though it's an atheistic, it's like God doesn't exist in that realm. It's so much more redemptive and it's so much more beautiful and it's so much more Christian than, than an evangelical way of thinking about it. Because it's, it's like it, when he says that it is finished, what if it's just all finished? Like, right. oh, it's all over. The gods do, do not require any sacrifice any longer. Right. And therefore like Bonhoeffer was saying, right. You know, we, you know, that to live in a Christian, you know, a Christian impulse is to live as if God doesn't exist. My, that was Eckhart, right? My no, 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 that was, that was no, no, that was, that was, that was, that was a uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer when he, in his yeah. letters to print, when he was in the Nazi prison, he's reflecting on it and, and he's reflecting, he's coming close to death and he's in prison with people, all these different faiths that are all being persecuted. And he's like realizing he, I think he was really asking himself, what's the difference between the Jewish faith and the Muslim faith and the Christian faith. And he's saying, Oh, there's this story of the end of the gods, mm-hmm. right? That's what it is. It is finished. The, it, we, when he says God does not require sacrifice, there is no redemption needed. There is no separation between us and God. We, it's just a matter of our eyes being cleared. And that's why he talks about a Christian impulse is to live in the world as if God mm-hmm. doesn't exist. He says at one with the suffering in the world, the idea is we don't have to look up anymore. Right. And we can, right. that, and that will clear our vision to see what's in front of us, the suffering that's yeah. all around us all the time, yeah. that we can actually do something about it. And that's why the, the social justice thing is, a, is a, I think, a more evolved way of doing Christianity. I still think that the, if the ego is not dealt with, it tends to take on, you know, a good and evil thing. That's what you see in a lot of the liberal movement is this, there's still the, you know, Trump's the, Trump's the evil, he's the devil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We just choose a new enemy and we can still feel justified because he's mm-hmm. doing evil things. It's, it's very much the Hitler thing. That's why everybody, that's why Hitler is the litmus test for evil. You know, anytime, anytime someone calls somebody else Hitler, uh-oh, that's real yeah. evil. As if we can, we're justified in judging him like we would judge everyone, you know, anybody else. It's, right. it's, it's a, you know, I mean, I had a guy asking me that this morning. He's like, well, what was the point of Jesus's death then? You know, and, you know, because he did, couldn't understand it outside of that, that duality, that black right. and white good guy bad guy thing yeah. right that that narrative that narrative that that frankly is not even that old that whole redemptive kind of that idea of, of substitutionary atonement being the only point of jesus that was the first big um kind of just deconstructive moment for me when i started when i kind of woke up and i started um my my healing work is that that jesus had had all these teachings and that i had spent all my time focused on this narrative that his only point of existence was to die because there was this God that created that required blood to be okay with us. And I was, and instead of listening to everything he taught and going, wait, he was like, there was so much, Oh my gosh, there's so many amazing teachings. And when you can look at it from this perspective, you go, that dude like was incredible. And it's, it's like, if you were to think about MLK, you know, Martin Luther King and go, the only point was, you know, when he got shot that day, that was, that was, that was the main thing he contributed. Right, was right. He got shot. It was his yeah. death. And his death was absolutely a redemptive moment in that it, it, it essentially led to the civil rights bill and being passed and all the civil rights legislation in the early seventies was because of Martin Luther King's dying, his sacrifice. It wasn't because of Malcolm X. Right. 
who was also killed. And a lot of the, the, the people that were hurt, it was, the, it was the, you know, the Edmund Pettus bridge and all these innocent people being pummeled and giving their bodies over to, to the, you know, these, these yeah. police and these that were yeah. just beating the tar out of them. It was those sacrifices that were creating that change. But man, Martin Luther King had some amazing sermons. You know, I, I, one of my favorite moments was being um, just down the street from where his tomb is, um, is a uh, Ebenezer Baptist church where his father was a pastor where he grew up and, uh, and it's just down the street from his house, right? It's just really close. Everything's within a nice little kind of neighborhood. And then he, he was the pastor of that church for a while too. And you can go in there and his sermons are just playing on a loop mm. and you can sit in oh, the, wow. you can sit in the pews and just listen to his sermons. And it's not changed all the churches is the same. And it's amazing. Like you can just sit in. I sat, we were in there, Maria and I, my wife and I sat in the front row and just sat there and there was no one else there and listened to this entire sermon that he gave. And it was all the same stuff. I mean, this whole quote that he has right now that's circulating all over social media that, that the, the arc of justice, right? The arc, it's long, right? But, it, yeah. but the arc of time is long, but it bends towards justice. That, that, yeah. that it, it is, we will always end up working. It's a two step forward, one step back process. And that we have to commit ourselves to that non-resistance, to that peaceful way of living and to that redemptive story within ourselves. Yeah. So Garrett, for you, yeah, that impulse is going to be, how do I face death? You know, if you're in a situation, in, I mean, quite materially, you know, you're in a situation where someone's being hurt. How do you step into that moment with just as much compassion for the, for the perpetrator as for the, the victim? That's, yeah. that's some enlightened yeah. stuff, man. Like, yeah. and that's not, that's for enlightened beings. That's for people that are like literally like digging into the deep dirt. You know what I mean? Yeah. That is not, and that's why I've Jesus already, is saying it's, it's so hard to do. Yeah. I've already, like, I've, my thought process has already started to go that way. And it's, it's just crazy to think I'm like, wait, why am I, how come when I think there's, how do I think about this person that's supposed to be this evil person? I'm like, and I, I start thinking past. I'm like, well, what happened to him for him to get to this spot mm -hmm. right here? And mm -hmm. how, because there's, there's this, there's, there's part of me in this narrative of like, well, if I don't, if I don't fight back and end it, then they're just going to keep coming back. They're going to mm -hmm. keep coming back. Or and they might coming back. Yeah. But as you, yeah. But like, as you can see, like, for instance, like the, the movie unbroken, as you can see when he's like in the Nazi training camp and, and the guy's like forcing him to hold the wood above oh, yeah, his head yeah, yeah, for like yeah. the whole day or whatever. Right. And he just keeps like whipping him and stuff. And eventually he doesn't fight back. And eventually the guy just like breaks. Right. Cause he's like, how come like, he's like, he's not, he's not giving in. And so there is, there's like this, I think for me, I'm starting to see this physical intangible evidence of this kind of like energy in this collective field that you talk about because it's like you're not giving in and without giving in like that's why when I walked out of the movie Hacksaw Ridge it wasn't like this redemptive like oh this is amazing like I want to go like fight I walked out I'm like gosh I don't want to play a war game ever again right. or like I don't I don't want to watch right. a war movie right. ever again because it's like yeah. this this is sad this yeah. sucks right. like yeah. and so I'm I'm beginning to see myself that well, they may keep coming back, but eventually it's going to break and it's stopping with you right there because you're not giving into that feel. You're not giving into that. And so yeah. it's, either I, that or I you get, me, I'm or either that or you get killed. I'll wait to that. 
or I get killed. Yeah. Or you get killed. Yeah. And, and that's the point, the right? Person, you know? Yeah. That's the and, point. Hey, yeah. And, and Garrett, Garrett, it's an amazing, I gotta say, it's an amazing thing to watch you wrestle with this because if it, it, you know, being a, a, you know, white kid and, and, a, and a, and I, you're not a kid anymore. You're like a white dude on the, on the, 23 okay (laughs) on the west coast of the united states you know in such a privileged position to be able to wrestle with such complexity is 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 an amazing thing and and the hard thing is is that in in this day and age when you have so many people that have been impressed so much you know with with you know i I was thinking about brianna taylor right and everybody's saying no justice for brianna taylor right because someone has to they they keep saying someone has to be held accountable for her well the, the thing is you know the, the ego, that collective ego is out there looking for a person to put this on. Right. As opposed to where all of us fully wake up to the system that created that in the first place and saying right. that that's what needs to be held accountable. And that's the movement. And of course, mm-hmm. there's plenty of people waking up to that. You know, I just wish yeah. that the, I, this is why I wish sometimes the media would stop with this whole narrative this constant narrative that we have to find the one person that's responsible i mean right. they're literally in the investigation they're trying to figure out who fired the bullet that actually killed her and i'm going it'll never that's end. the this the christ yeah. narrative is never. that's the point it wasn't one bullet yeah. right? right that's it's it's millions yeah. you know what i mean yeah. it's millions of bullets that yeah. penetrated her body and that's that's the story of the of the, the beaten and broken you see all these Christ figures coming up through this movement. You see George Floyd and you see mm-hmm. all, all these guys, it's a Christ figure. That's why I love the mural. Like there's all there's murals painted all over downtown Seattle because Seattle's still pretty boarded up, but you have this, there, there's this mural, this one huge mural at a very prominent place by Pike Place Market. And it, and it looks, it's so, it's a Christ mural and people come and they lay flowers at, at it and they, and I'm, go- I'm looking at it, and it's not George Floyd worship. It's it, not yet. Now, a, a thousand years from now, maybe there is a religion founded on George Floyd, and they're all wow. praying that he'll heal their, you know, goiters or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, and and, yeah. and, George, and George Floyd doesn't heal, heal them, and they keep, you know, thinking that well, but George is a benevolent God, you know. But yeah. but the thing yeah. is, right now, it's an actual Christ figure. It's one of those things where they where they we're we're starting to realize that this is this this Christ figure is. He is showing, he's waking us up. He's showing us our true selves. He's showing us where not only, not only where the darkness lies inside of us, but where the light is as well. There's another uh, kind of, I guess you'd say popular um, kind of narrative of that. There's a a writer named Devin Mitchell. He's an Irish Irishman. He wrote um, a book called cloud Atlas. Oh, and I've seen the movie. A, I, haven't, I haven't read the book yet. I have the book, but I haven't read it yet. The book is way better. I actually than the think film. I saw that movie. Cloud yeah. Atlas. Um, okay. Looks way better than the film. The film's, cool. film's, film's good, but if we read the book, and I had read the book before I saw the film, and you read it and you go, I, how? There's, and when I heard they were making a movie, I was like, what? There's no way. Because it's one of those books that you read and you go, there's no way a person <laughs> could actually make that into a movie. And, um, and the way that, of course, the way you have to format a film in terms of the way they have to move each story forward at the same time. Whereas in the book, it starts out in the oldest story and you read half that story. And then it slowly progresses in time reading half the story to get to this, to the one furthest in the future. And you read the entire story and then it starts to go backwards and it ends back where it was. And it's this incredible story. But one of the fascinating things is of course that it has the Jesus narrative built in, right? With this Korean um, woman who's a, who's a, who's a clone, right? And she ends up dying. But then when you get to the furthest future is post-apocalyptic world and you're in Hawaii on the big island, like Kona and they're with his tribe. So in the film was played, Tom Hanks plays his tribesmen and stuff. Um, there's a religion 
that was founded on the sacrifice of this woman on, on, on who she was. And they put, they pray to her and they have a priestess and everything. And, and it's, and it's fascinating mm -hmm. because, because that's exactly, it was like what you just said about George Floyd is that obviously it's all, we have digital records and stuff like that. But if I went to, and how cloud Atlas illustrates that is essentially a post-apocalyptic event happens and all technology is kind of destroyed besides this one group of people that kind of are these super advanced people that stayed away from that. But everybody else is living back in the, the dark ages, you know, in tribal kind of modalities. And now you have this religion based on the writings of this gal who essentially left these recordings at the end of her life that she was having this awakening to that peaceful resistance. And it's fascinating because she's, you, you have to, <laughs> you got to read the book. It's, it's a fascinating thing. This, the, the, the film is a little bit odd in how they kind of illustrate it. But again, it's going back to this idea of, the only way actually forward is through that peaceful non-resistance, you know, and through actual redemptive um, sacrifice, not redemptive violence. Right. So that's fellas, what, I, I, any closing story. thoughts here, Garrett, why don't you go first, man? Oh man. Um, <laughs> this was, on. I mean, I think I said all I said all I needed to that kind of came to mind when we were talking. But um, this is it's it's crazy to see myself four years ago to now and kind of how everything's kind of just changed and how I can like this stuff when I'm speaking it like something's just coming up this kind of from within and it's it's really cool and I don't know just opportunity just to get to talk about this has been really cool and to hear you guys talk about it is awesome. Do you, yeah. do you feel right now, do you feel um, that that flow you're feeling that you're describing a flow? It's a yeah. movement, an internal movement. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, that's I can, like when you, I mean, yeah, that's what that is yeah. to be in spirit. Like speaking, that's what that is. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's, it's just so different. It's, I don't know when you, when you, when I start like speaking about this kind of stuff, it's like, Oh, like it's, yeah. it's different than like when I'm sitting and I'm processing or I'm, I'm mm -hmm. like letting like things out. It's like this, it's like, wow, it's this amount of energy, but then also this piece at the same time, just to be able to yeah. be, I don't know. Right. And well, it's the sense, that's the essence oh, of what it is to be in spirit. If you're in your spirit is the operating system that you're, you're functioning in right now. That's the thing. It has all kinds of physical benefits. Like <laughs> There's a lot of energy you know, people that are tired all the time is because they're mostly in their egos. Like when right. you function in your spirit, mm -hmm. there's inspiration, there's creativity, there's synchronicity, there's intuition, there's massive amounts of energy because your heart chakra opens up. There's so much available to us through right. that, that highly hyper intelligent operating system right. that's connected, grounded into the entire universe. Right. And you're functioning that, but it also you're experiencing time distortion because in that time, all of a sudden time starts to disappear a little bit. Time and space function a little differently and you can feel your future. That's when people can go, I feel called. When they're in spirit because your future is actually invading your space right. a little bit and so that's why you have to follow it you right follow this experience. but also like you get this feeling of courage and you're feeling of like well i don't have to worry about it and also you stand up saying things and articulating things that you hadn't necessarily articulated yeah. in your head before yeah. you said it and you go where did that come yeah. from and man it felt good to say that and it and you feel yeah. the path like and, saying you feel the path down the road you know yeah and like for me i'm I'm like, I'm surrounded by people that are just for like, they're not, they're not for like 
violence but at the same time they are like like the the underlying kind of just i mean i live right next to a a military base like i i live like in all this kind of stuff and so it's but i guess when i talk about this and you can when you're living kind of in this spirit mode rather than me being scared of having a different thought i'm okay because i can i can kind of just sit and and be okay with the fact that no i don't i don't I don't stand for that anymore. I don't believe for that. I don't know. I think there's another way. And it's just, it's interesting to be able to be okay being in that problem with like, no matter what happens, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Like if I die, if I die, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's a, quite yeah. an experience. <laughs> right on. Just uh, one, one little piece of advice. Resist the urge to have to define it all. Just allow it, right? And we, we, our egos very oh, yeah, quickly want to hijack that process and they want to nail it down and kind of you know, figure it out. And, so that, and then also wants to tell everybody else you know, how to do it that way. Just, just allow it. Just allow it. Allow it to flow. Allow it to be and just enjoy it. Because it's, it's a lovely way to live, you know? Yeah, it's a lot. And I've stepped into that many times and I've had to, this isn't working for me, like trying yeah. to be right, like we were just talking about or trying yeah. to have it all together. It's like just be, and it will, it really allows you to start relying on God more or like trusting, trusting yeah. God more with where your life, you just keep taking a step and, and trust that something's happening. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Seth, yeah. closing thoughts on your, your side. Um. You know, for me, I think it's incredibly important that people like us that live in such an extremely privileged position, you know, um, white guys in the most powerful empire that's ever existed on the planet, and we sit in the most powerful position. I think it's incredibly important that we wrestle deeply with the complexity of it and, and of how this, this attends to the ones that are most marginalized, the ones that are most oppressed to our native American friends, to our LGBTQ friends, to our, to African American friends, to our people, to people of color. I think it's important that, that, that we have the courage to start to lay down some of that privilege one piece at a time. I think, you know, my wife and I, and we've lived a life of radical faith for a long time and, and, uh, and it led us into some pretty profound spaces and it led us into homelessness at one point. And we ended up in a, in this apartment, which is a terrible apartment in a terrible building in a, what some would probably call a terrible place. And, and it's not, and we, we discovered almost two years here in what would you could call the ghetto that um, there is, it, there is a, I'm so glad we ended up here. I'm so glad we were homeless. We got in here because you didn't need first and last month's rent. And because they couldn't get people to move into the building. And I'm so grateful that we ended up here because what I have discovered in living in this space that the complexity of it is so much more than I understood before. It's like, I, I can't, I'm not allowed in this place. I'm not allowed to hold those categories and those simple definitions of things because the complexity is too much. That's why I can go to someone who just stole my mountain bike and go, Hey, can I have that back please? And like speak <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I've learned in two years here that there's so much complexity to how, how trauma functions and how people function and how these collective function, how systematic oppression functions. Sure. Um, I'm incredibly grateful for it. And yeah. I would challenge every person that's, that's listening to this, that if you want to engage these things beyond your intellect, 
to intentionally place yourself, not for two weeks on a mission trip where you can hold your, your I mean, that's the entire structure of church mission trips is to allow you to still hold the, the redemptive white savior kind of, you know, right. narrative, right. but to actually move. You know, my, one of my professors in, in grad school challenged us, all of us, to move to the ghetto. That was his thing. You, 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 want, you want to claim you want to understand these things, but you don't want to put your body in that space. You right. want, you'll go there with your brain, but you won't go there with your body. And it doesn't right. become redemptive until your body starts to go through it. Sure. And so, you know, to live in those space, I talked to Amy about, you know, we were talking about Southern California and, and moving down there where Garrett lives. And I was like, how about South Central? And we moved to places like that. And she's just like, no. I'm like, oh, she's just like, no, I'm done. This is good enough. This is good enough. I, I don't want to do it. I go, you know, and it's so funny because it's just because her body and her body, there's right. still those, those narratives held. There's still those structures held. That's how yeah. racism is held in the body. Right. And if we're going to become redemptive forces in the world, we have to confront it in our bodies. And so, yeah. you know, if there's anybody, maybe one person in our entire audience will, will you know, take that challenge and, and move you know, themselves to that place. It's, so. There's a reason why a lot of your spiritual teachers were like, yeah, don't get married, don't have family, don't do those things because it's not compatible. So it's, right. it's a lot more difficult, right? It's not super compatible with with that type of radical living. And well, know, it's 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 more difficult. I would say it's, it's highly difficult. compatible, but it is more difficult. More difficult. Yeah. It is our context of being in a being a father and being a husband and living in in such a wealthy country has its own. It is its own context for enlightenment. Right. Right, but it, sure. but it is, yeah, because because you're dealing with a collective. If I was just a, a single monk with no dad, with no, with, with no kids, and I was, and I was on a pilgrimage walking through, and I was home, people would go, "Oh yeah, that makes total sense," and it would fit their narrative, you know. Sure, even sure. even our family wouldn't, you know. I mean, my, you know, you know, our our, our sister, they they all think that I'm kind of pathetic. They don't, you know, what I mean, because I <laughs> I haven't followed the third dimensional, go work your ass off, make lots of money kind of thing, yeah. and. And, uh, and I just, but it was a while ago that I realized like, oh, this is a certain context for enlightenment. Right. This is a very American context for enlightenment. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, which it is, which it, it is. is. And it Absolutely. turns out your, your kids, my kids are developing their egos right now. Okay. They're these little right. kids, about, they, they watch Star Wars and it makes sense. Good guys, bad guys. You know, you know how it is. Your kids are, when they're young, they're always going, well, who's the good guys? Who's yeah. the bad guys? Yeah. Oh, they got to know who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, because the, because their little egos are developing and recognizing, okay, the world is this kind of black and white thing. And my job is to introduce them to complexity slowly, let them wade into that pool slowly. And they, and we do, we just wade into it slowly. We let them kind of, you know, gradually, you know, experience and confront and then living in a place like this, it has its own built-in complexity mm -hmm. that they're constantly being confronted with, right. you know, yeah. which is, which is helpful. So. Okay. So there you go. The myth, hopefully, is dispelled a little bit and we can all move on and be contributors to peace and justice and love in the world um, through spirit instead of ego. If, if you have further questions, go to the Facebook group and pop in there. Uh, we're going to post this from the YouTube link and let us know what your thoughts are. Or but even if you disagree, it's okay. Put in there and let us know what you think. It's a really good discussion to have. So I'm just taking a walk around my house here. So anyway, aloha, everybody. Thank you for joining us this weekend. Uh, feel free to share this stuff. You know, we're not talking about foreign addiction necessarily, but this might be a helpful discussion for other people, especially right now, especially after that crazy debate last night. Oh, crazy. Anyway, aloha, everybody. 